This is Acts of Faith. Every day, World Team works to transform communities, make disciples, and reach the unreached. Our unique teams innovate, multiply, and expand the reach of the gospel. Our vision and aim? To make Jesus known. Together, we share the hope of the gospel on a global scale by meeting the needs of communities. These are our acts of faith. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Uh, my name is Stanley, and with me today is my wife, Marie, and our teammate, Danielle. We are missionaries with The Inn, a ministry of World Team. The workers of The Inn are church planters among people groups unreached by the gospel of Jesus. Our team works and lives with cultures uh, that are not our own. Unlike many cross-cultural workers, God has placed us within communities that are inside our home country. As we talk about reaching unreached people groups with the message of Jesus within the U.S., the church is confronted with the reality that sooner or later, someone will need to go cross-culturally. For us, that means people from a North American Western cultural background are ministering to people from a Middle Eastern, Central Asian, and African cultural backgrounds. So why is this so hard? <laughs> <laughs> why isn't it enough to just have a church on every corner? Well, there's there's a saying, the unreached are unreached for a reason. <laughs> and And really, it's more than one reason. But it comes down to difference. Difference of worldview, difference of language, difference of culture, difference of um, fundamental expressions of self and how they perceive the world. And so while there's a lot of unchurched in our country, people who understand the language and the culture because it is their own um, and they need the church to go to them, um, there are a significant growing number of unreached who don't speak the language, who don't understand what is being said in the church. Even if they speak English, that doesn't mean that they understand the, the worldview and the nuances of language behind the gospel. So let's talk about that for a second. Um, you, you brought up the, the um, idea of worldview. Danielle, we were talking about this earlier. Where does that work in, the, this whole idea of worldview? Yeah, here in our country, we we set up the structure of what church looks like looks like based on our own worldview. And so when Marie was talking about this, what came to mind was this whole practice, for lack of a better word, of coming to our church. Come visit us. Oh, I'll bring you along. Come with me. And while there's value in that, no one's denying that it's good and right to invite somebody to come. That's actually not the command of scripture to grab a group and say, come to this church. It's really to go out to the lost and to meet them where they are. And I think that in our country and as Americans, we just get into this habit of saying, come with me and I'll let the teacher teach you and the one who's more qualified versus making disciples in my own home, in my own neighborhood. Uh, so I think that that's 
where I see our worldview and this individualism and so many different facets of how we view the world impacts the way we engage the unreached who don't share our worldview. Whenever a church, a church leader, a teacher of the gospel says or asks the question, what does the church, what, what is the church? Invariably, you come to Acts 2, 42 through 47. I'm going to read that. And so this is, this is what it says. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. There is so much that can be pulled out of this passage. Um, books have been written. Sermon series certainly have been created from this. <laughs> As we're talking about this idea of worldview, there's one particular thing I want, I want to pull out of this, and that's uh, the fellowship. Now, depending on what translation you read, it's either the fellowship or fellowship. Um, but either way, the, the Greek word is koinonia, and it is defined as a close relationship characterized by involvement and sharing. The useful definition to describe this among Christians is an intimate joint participation in life. Wow, right? Yeah. Uh, we can say when we look at the average American church or what that expression looks like, I'll just ask the question, is this what that fellowship looks like? I think that that is often spoken as a, a goal. And I think that there are a lot of things that get in the way that make it really hard to live that out. Um, and I, I don't think it's easy for the American church to, to, live the way that you're describing um and to live the way that like when i read acts and i read the gospels that's that intimate joint reciprocity of having all things in common and and really just like there's aspects of that that require a lot of like transparency and self-sacrifice uh, a willingness to lay aside my own individuality or my individual needs for the for everyone's needs, trusting that they are going to meet my needs when I do that. This is really hard for Americans. I mean, to simply answer that question, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> Not, but I also think, again, like I don't necessarily think it was easy for the church in Acts to just mm -hmm. do that. It is like a selflessness and a humility that comes from walking with the Lord, obeying him. It's not just wanting to live life together. It's committing to living life mm -hmm. together. The easy, kind way of looking at this is that we have to work at this. Uh, um, Marie, you, you said this is something we work towards. It's a goal that's taught to us either from a book or from the pulpit. But we have to work at this. The average Sunday is people arrive at a place that is not their home. They go out of their home. They go uh, often, often they travel miles and miles to go to a place where people gather, they will have, they will listen 
to somebody speak, and then they will go home. Yeah, and even on top of that, they show up as the event starts and they leave <laughs> when the event is finished. You know, like we don't even yeah, there's right. no lingering. go to early just to even have community. Yeah, It's show up and leave. I think we can say we need to work at this. We need to work yeah. at this idea of community, right? What have we observed as workers among specifically Muslims from those specific cultural backgrounds? What have we observed as far as the community goes? Oh, it is like you're reading. It's like it's like the gospel and the Old Testament are playing out in front of you as you sit on the floor in someone's living room. What do you mean by that? Um, you know, like when we first started becoming friends with diaspora and we would be in their homes, it was like all those stories of Jesus reclining at a table. Um, of there being like, when you really read about how, like the disciples in Jesus and when you read, like when you sit down and read the a gospel from, from beginning to end, you're like, Oh wait, you remember that all these other people are with them besides just the, di the disciples. And there's the wives and the mother-in-laws and the, and the children and the cousins, and they're all journeying together. Right. And so everyone is together all the time. And everyone's eating together. It's not this like, hey, honey, tonight um, I've got two of the three kids, but you're going to need to bring the other one to soccer. So go ahead and swing by McDonald's on your way there. Um, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not criticizing that. That's just an aspect of American life that is incredibly different from the life of diaspora, who you're doing everything together. It's more than just wow, this makes my life easier if I've got all my family with me to get the tasks done. It's actually their identity. I, I would say that there are probably many people listening to this and going, no, having my family nearby <laughs> would definitely not <laughs> simplify my life in any way. What's the value? Because it's if it's not individuality, it is what? I would say the value is togetherness mm -hmm. and... Yeah, being a part of the group, that's where they find their identity. I mean, if you look at Middle Eastern culture or at, at least the culture, the cultures that we engage with, it all comes out of this group mentality. They think for one another. They don't think for themselves. When you go, you just feel very cared for and seen, typically, mm -hmm. and valued because they're thinking of you when they make every decision. Yeah. What you're eating, what you're drinking, where you're going, what you're doing. The value is being together and that's good and it brings in conflict for us as church planters, as missionaries to the diaspora because they do think together or at least they make decisions together. So if we can say that we are not good at. We have to work at the, the joint participation, right? If that's something we have to work at, the unkind is we are bad at it, <laughs> okay? <laughs> if we're bad at that, and this is what our Muslim friends most identify with, what do we need to invite our friends into the fellowship of believers? I think what we need is a teachable, humble spirit. It comes down to realizing that we need Jesus. You think about the beauty of of the Godhead, three in one. They have been in, like, they are, like, that Godhead is in constant relationship and community with each other. 
I believe that we can experience this community in Christ together. Help me overcome the things in myself that keep getting in the way. I would agree that that's the first thing that you have to work out. You are going to be required to lay down entitlements. Mm -hmm. As Americans, we are incredibly entitled. I'm incredibly entitled. Then I rush into a culture that does not think that way, does not feel that way. Uh, does not want to receive a message that's presented that way. If you're listening to this, you're obviously interested in missions. You will be asked by the Lord to lay down things for others. And it, it will require you to lay down entitlements and ones that you don't even recognize yet that you have. I think that's been a reality that has been a little harsh at times. But I think it's actually made me more like, it has made me more like Jesus. And so praise God, that's sanctification. What you just said about... I'm not going to get the quote right, but laying down your entitlement and thinking about the other person, mm. one area that I have had to really, like God has really had to remold how I see the world is how does someone come to faith in Christ? I remember in high school, they taught, I think it was John Wesley, sinners in the hands of an angry God. And it was very focused on the individual's choice. But then you read about Cornelius and you read about the jailer and you read about entire households coming to faith in Christ. And now I'm living life with a culture that thinks collectively and I'm trying to share the gospel with someone the way I came to faith in Christ. But that is not how they think. And the culture that we see in the Bible is the culture of most of the diaspora. Mm -hmm. Therefore, what do I need to learn from God about communicating his restoration of relationship message? So I'm really glad you brought that up. I mean, I think that's something that we miss because if you look at majority world, we really are very much in the minority. <laughs> <laughs> and it seems to have worked here. We have contextualized that. We have contextualized the, the message so that we find ourselves in it. What have we seen? What's the story that we've seen that kind of uh, said, this is different than me? So I was visiting with um, two families and we're all really close. And one of them was moving and I have a home and there's some transition happening in my home with some, some young women moving out. And so I have space available. And the conversation came up. One of my friends, diaspora friends that I would love to live with you. And I was like, oh, well, you know, we'll see what God does. It was kind of an offhanded comment, I thought. And so, you know, I just said, well, wouldn't that be amazing? And I, you know, kept on. And then a few months later, as my friend was getting ready to actually move away, the other family uh, over dinner said, well, she should just move with you, move in with you. And, you know, we'd already, we, we had talked with her. It's a great plan. You have a room. She's your family. It's pretty much decided for you. And <laughs> I mean, they didn't say it was decided for you, but everything else they said, said that it was decided. They, the group decided how my home would be used because it's our home. It's not my home. You have become so ingrained with this family that at least from their perspective, you are fully part of their culture. You are fully part of who yeah. and what and how they do, right? Yes. <laughs> and so they stopped thinking mm -hmm. that you're, oh, you're an American. We should ask you first. <laughs> <laughs> right. When they when they had said they had decided this, that it was a great plan for all of our lives, I 
I said, well, I actually said, as an American, uh, we typically like ask people what they think about that. And they they laughed <laughs> just like we did, but not for the same reason. They laughed because that is hysterical to them. But it showed me um, how deep our relationship is. And so it actually really made ministry to the diaspora even richer when I realized that this is how they see me. And when they see me as their family, they will listen to the message. They will listen to the gospel that I preach. And they want to do, they want to literally live life with me in my house. So. This is an example of the things that, that people working cross-culturally within their own culture mm. will have to contend with. Because while we give up certain entitlements, we struggle with this in a very real way. Mm. You don't have to bow to that culture mm -hmm just because you want to reach them for the gospel. At the same time, it's worthy of wrestling with, mm. right? That's a good yeah. Point. yeah, It is worthy of wrestling with. The, the Islamic faith, if we look at it from a Christian perspective and we look at it um, of what it offers or promises, it doesn't offer an assurance of any salvation. There's no assurance. Um, it is based on the things you do and how God feels about you the day of judgment. Mm. If we can effectively communicate, language barriers aside or any of those, if we can effectively communicate, Jesus doesn't require that of you. Jesus wants your heart. It's, it's, a, it's actually a, a higher standard but he's already done the work. You don't have to, it's not about the things you do, it's about the who you follow. That shouldn't be a hard conversation, right? But what is it that we see from this idea of the fellowship that, that makes this hard for, for Muslims, especially Muslims from the backgrounds that we're talking about? I think what it is, or I think a, a healthy part of it is this idea of community. If I deny Islam, it's not that I'm giving up or I'm only giving up a false religion. What I'm giving up is all of myself. From an individualistic point of view, I'm really not giving up my self-identity. I'm finding my self-identity within Christ, right? Mm -hmm. So here we are in this individualistic culture and we have all of these examples of individualistic expressions of the church, you know, the, the, the transactional, I go to church, I listen to the message, I leave. Um, we don't linger. We don't do the, the we don't do community well. Um, it's something that we have to work towards, right? How then, if that's the most important thing to our friends, how do we, the church, attractive? This is where I really value world team and um, our guiding principles that the, I think three stand out. One is the holistic gospel, that the gospel is not a transaction. It's a transformation. And, and so we were transformed. Who I was before Christ is not who I am now. And um, the fact that we desire community in an individualistic society 
is proof of that. <laughs> and, and then, um, the other thing, and so as we are working to live that, I, people do see what is genuine community versus a veneer of community. And when every time our team and our volunteers, you know, have submitted to Christ and are exhibiting true community in Christ, it is super attractive and stands out because it's truth. And then the other thing, the other um, aspect that I think of is incarnational ministry is another high value of world team. And this is exactly what Danielle was talking about, laying down ourselves and our entitlements. I Because our journey following Jesus is this continual sanctification, I think it's easy for me to be like, man, I have so far to go. And I forget how far Christ has already brought me in this incarnational experience of Christ in me, the hope of glory, that he is the light in me, that, that we're the city on the hill because he is the light in me and in the darkness he shines. And so this, we have to remember it is all about the gospel mm -hmm. and not about my ability or our team's ability. It's all about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that's where the hope is. Because that is what our friends come back to us and say to us. They're like, even though they, they, they will say they value fellowship, they have yet to experience it fully. When I think of the word community, for some reason, these, I think of these two words, open invitation. Mm. That is a huge, I really struggle with open invitations because everything should stop and start somewhere. Like <laughs> I need to know when I, I need boundaries. And so that's a personal thing, but I think that's an individualistic way. When we, when we invite someone, it's not forever. It's for this one thing. But honestly, when I go into my friend's home, I have, I know what it feels like to have an open invitation. And I think about Jesus, that's the same thing. It's an open invitation, constantly being with him. It doesn't stop and start. And I think in the church, we don't, we're not, I don't want to like bash the church. I love the mm -hmm. church, the church not being my local church or just the, the church, us. We don't live our lives openly, even typically with one another. If we do, it's really challenging. We just said all that. And so while our friends do it in a different way that I look at and I'm encouraged by and I want more of in my life, it's not the fullest way. There are boundaries to their openness and to their open invitations. But if we lived in light of Christ, when he went places, he was interrupted and he invited that. He allowed that. He he spoke to people in that. And he he never turned people away in that. And I think that if we lived like that, if our if we were just open, I think it would it would show our friends that not only do we want community? Do we want all this? But like, we're not going to turn our back on you. We're not going to reject you. We're going to walk through really hard things together. We're going to offend each other. We're going to rebuke each other. We're going to love each other, sharpen each other. And so I just think this idea of inviting people in, if we did that more effectively, for lack of a better word, in the church, I think our lives would be the invitation. I think, I think it really hit it there, Danielle, is this idea of gathering. Mm -hmm. I think that might be the thing that we have such a hard time defining as an individualistic culture. If we don't gather for this one sole purpose from this time to this time, mm -hmm. 
that somehow we need that definition to call it a spiritual gathering. Mm-hmm. Yes. And somehow I think really, and, and this comes to what you were saying, Marie, holistic, incarnational. We are going to get, we're going to get together and we're going to get together and we're going to go to the beach or we're going to go to the soccer field or we're going to go to the home. We're just going to be together. I think the, the cross-cultural skill that is developed by effective cross-cultural workers is bringing the gospel into our gatherings, mm-hmm. whatever that looks like. Right. That actually reminds me of their mission, carrying the gospel to the unreached wherever we go. And mm-hmm. we take it wherever we go. We don't just, yeah. we take it to the lost wherever we go. And it's that idea of just as we go, not Mm-hmm. As we strategically plan a gathering at 4 p.m. to present the gospel, that's not what we do, but it's what we try to do yeah. <laughs> in our our you know our Western mentality. And there's value and worth to that. There because is because when we read Acts two, they went to temple. Yes, that was a structured event. And then they went to homes. Yeah, and they were in the courtyard. And the and they fellowship. Walked, the fellowship yeah. was all of it and it grew. Right. And grew. grew. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. I don't think they were putting on like, again, nothing wrong with it. But like, you don't see all these events and block parties and blah, 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 which I naturally gravitate toward having grown up in the church. But and it it's grew. Our culture. Be- it is our culture. And it's not wrong. Right. But there's something about being with someone that is winsome in a way that it takes a lot of pressure off of you. Mm. And I, I, I really do believe that. And I think that we talk about embracing, you know, Danielle, you said the the term embracing the awkward Mm -hmm. because, you know, I think about the first time I brought up Jesus in a gathering because it's like, oh my gosh, I need to (laughs) let people know that I'm a spiritual person. (laughs) And somehow it's like, yeah, blah, 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 weather, weather, you know, sports. Did you know Jesus is awesome? (laughs) (laughs) I I wish everyone could see your face right now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, just get it out there because that's your job. That's right. This, oh, this is my job. <laughs> right. And this is why I'm here. I have to fulfill the purpose. Right. right. And 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 you know, I I as I've talked to cross-cultural workers, I have never met one that hasn't had that moment where it's yes. like blah, 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 blah. <laughs> here, here it is. I worked myself up. I worked myself up. Yeah. And then and then you know people look at you a little weird and they pause and they breathe a couple times. <laughs> and then they go on about their business. It's like, okay, we're out of the that's out of the way. Now I can be natural. <laughs> yes. Um and I think, you know, <laughs> we, once we get past that point, living Christ. Mm. Not just living with, we are living Jesus. We are living the church. We are living the fellowship. Of all the cultural differences we need to work through, Western individuality versus the Eastern group identity is likely the one we most often contend with and probably the most difficult to overcome. How, how do we do this? Can that be done? Obviously, yes, it can. Because Jesus can overcome that. And Jesus can do that through us. Well, Jesus is doing it. Okay, so I'm going to quote from from World Team's guidelines and how our model is Christ who emptied himself of the privileges and powers of divinity in order to carry out his mission. He's already done it. 
but he's also continuing to do it. We're seeing it at the end. You know, the International Neighborhood Network, we are seeing new believers from Muslim background, Sikh background, Buddhist background, Hindu background. We're seeing people moving from what is false to what is true, regardless of cultural differences, because, because in workers and, and the church are moving towards the unreached so that they can encounter an authentic witness of the gospel. Every follower of Jesus can be a part of this. And, and while it might not be sitting in the awkward or <laughs> welcoming a family to live in your home with you, it is also being willing to dedicate yourself to praying and really dedicate yourself to sacrificially giving and really dedicating yourself to serving as a volunteer with an insight or really pursuing, God, are you calling me to vocational mission? If you're listening to this and you're like me, I start thinking through, like my biggest nightmare is embracing awkward things or awkward <laughs> situations. And so you may be listening to this thinking, uh, not I'm not being won over by this conversation. <laughs> and I would, I, I, I would align with how you're thinking too, because like, yeah, who wants to do that? But as an encouragement, God gives you the grace to walk through all of that. Like I did not know how to do this when I came to the field. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The Lord had been teaching me in my own culture and in my own family. And, and I can think of ways that he had done that, but not in the same way that he has shown me on the field. And so hopefully you are in a place in your spiritual walk that you're open to God showing you more things about himself. It's a joy to wake up and think, God, how am I going to embrace that? I, I, there's a lot that we've said that feels like I got to figure that out. <laughs> like I gotta, I gotta get that for, I gotta get that like figured out before I ever go to the field. You don't because you won't <laughs> because there's nothing that I've ever found. And I think you guys would agree mm -hmm. quite like living incarnationally mm -hmm. with people that are the opposite of you in a lot of cultural ways, but God, that's the beauty of, of, <laughs> of Christ in us, you know, the Holy Spirit showing us how to lay down those things. And then you just start, they lose their hold on you. Yeah. And scripture just affirms itself over and over and over in your life that like what, what is really worth keeping in light of eternity. To learn more about World Team's ministry opportunities, go to us.worldteam.org and click go at the top of the page. To see prayer requests from World Team workers, click Pray. To give to World Team's ministries, click Donate. This has been Acts of Faith, a podcast by World Team U.S. For more information on World Team and its ministries, visit us.worldteam.org. Mm -hmm.